Hey everybody, it's Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Controllers podcast. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode 46 of the podcast, and uh, I'm going to go through our uh, social media preamble real quick. So far, <clears throat> you can find us on, you guys, the, the standards, you got Facebook, which is the whole name, and that is also using the whole name, you can find us on Patreon, as well as Spotify. Spotify also has the uh, the playlist of all the music that Drew's been doing so far, which we will actually be adding a song to today. Uh, if you just search the word Two Smoking Controllers, you can find us on Reddit and Twitch. And using the number two, because we communicated very well when we first started all this, the number two, you can find us on Instagram as well as that's the email you can contact contact us on. Oh, we also use the uh, the whole name of the podcast for our Twitter, which we've been we were against early on, but we're leaning more towards now just for the sheer fact that it it seems to be a more instantaneous uh, messaging when we send out like anything like we're about to play this game or we're twitching and so so on and so forth. It doesn't seem to be blocked behind a paywall as much as Facebook is. And uh, all of these are, uh, Drew's been getting better about putting all the links to these in the show notes. So if you have trouble remembering if it's the word or if it's the number, you can just go through the show notes and Drew can, he's guided you fairly easy. Uh, And we're probably going to be promoting it indefinitely until I put out another one probably, but I do have my story. Uh, on Amazon, they come this night, and Drew's also posting links to that in the show notes as well. Yep. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think so. Um, as long as I uh, edit this properly, you'll be hearing uh, new music right now. Um, come to find out, Jessica has a co-worker that uh, writes music, and actually uh, turns out that I actually like it. I'm very picky when it comes to music, but... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, he actually let her play some for me and stuff like that, and I actually enjoyed it. And I asked if I could uh, play his stuff like through here on, on the music bed of the podcast, and he he agreed. So, um, if you I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but if you're listening, uh, thanks, Skyler. We're uh, I'll be playing. He gave me currently gave me two songs, so I'll, I'll probably be rotating around his his two songs. I might alternate between his one of his and then put my my friend Brandon's song, the one you're normally hearing, back in. I just want to have something fresh to rotate into the podcast right here. Uh, I don't know which two songs I'll which of the two songs I'll be playing on each thing, so I won't say a name of the song right here. But you'll see a link to the 
the name of the song, sorry, the name of the song in the show notes and a link to his uh, SoundCloud page. He writes he writes and produces music under the artist moniker Cherished Ghosts, and you'll find all the uh, rest of his music on, on the link that I put in the show notes here. It's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks again if you're listening for letting us have a couple of tunes. You got anything else? I about covers it, I think, for the okay. social media. We do intro. have... Uh, our normal two games and a band for this episode. So we'll, we should be a pretty normal episode. So we'll move forward. I'll let Blake take over with the first game. All right. Uh, the first game we'll be tackling today is called Alvastia Chronicles. Is developed by a, uh, a company called Kimco. That's an abbreviation for quite a big thing. I'm not going to get into that, but they they kind of get a lot of heat because they tend to force out a whole bunch of games. But it's like a uh, what's what I'm looking for quality over quantity, quantity over, qu- over quality. quality. They tend to just shotgun blast out like twenty games a year, and you can kind of tell. I thought I thought I didn't look too much into them because I see they get so much heat, and this is the first game of theirs we even we even bothered with, actually because it was on Game Pass and leaving Game Pass and uh, was it a TA guide or something like that? It said that said the game was super short. Or it wasn't even yeah. a guide because you don't even need it. You only need a guide for the game because it's so it's kind of quick. It's like eight ten hours something like that. I beat it in about seventeen total to. 17 okay so maybe it's longer than i thought but still short shorter for an rpg but um we literally had just played it because it was on because it was leaving game pass so that's really there wasn't no there wasn't anything in particular about this particular kimco game that jumped out at us but i thought that they kimco was more of a publisher they published a bunch of other generic rpgs are they actually the developer mm-hmm. oh, okay uh no, kimco They've been around since 1984. Uh, maybe not under the Kimco moniker, but when you backtrack for they change your name once or twice. But it's been generally the same people, yeah. just being kind of moved yeah. around inside of a rather large office building. They've been around for 37 years. Gosh. Yeah. And they work roughly in the uh, 140 employee range. They're out of uh, Hiroshima, Japan. And so they've their, their very first game was called Doughboy back in 1985, and it was Doughboy. on the um, the Commodore 64. Wow. Yeah. So they, they, they they've been in the gaming thing for a while. It wasn't, it was, I assume that wasn't wasn't an RPG. So they, weren't, they weren't always. I think RPGs. it was like a side scrolling platformer. Is what it, I mean because I don't think they were. That was a huge genre then. Yeah. Mostly just platforming. So, for. A while they were just doing. They were only on console, and then around 2004, they completely stopped console and physical media. 
just completely stopped because it was a cost of it wasn't cost effective because they were making a bunch of copies but where they weren't selling as many copies yeah so as of 2007 they were digital and mobile release only they and as far as i can tell they've still since then have not done any physical releases it's only digital and only on like mobile and stuff yeah like that. so currently right now you're um i don't mention it to you because it's not really relevant but there's a, a company limited run games that I've, I've bought a couple of things from because mm-hmm. every now and then they put a cool still book out uh limited run has been doing a quite a few runs of uh kimco RPG, so they are coming out physically on the PS4 side. But it's also a limited, though. Yeah, it's limited quantities. I think they do PS4 and it's like what less maybe, than hundred, maybe, maybe Switch. So it's it's probably a couple of thousand still. Oh. Um, they don't they, <clears throat> limited run doesn't do any deals with Xbox. And I say that as I say that it's not true because they just signed a big thing with Xbox Microsoft not too long ago. So but there might be some limited run Xbox stuff coming. But there's been a bunch of Kimco releases uh, recently on limited run games. So, okay, uh, so maybe the, they. We bought some really cool limited edition still books from them, didn't we? A couple, yeah, yeah. We've had some still books from them. So they're pretty they, cool. They're, they do do more obscure things usually, but every now and then they do something we know. I had the recently had the something come in the mail that I forgot that I bought from them, which was the Indigo Prophecy still book in PS4 version of the game, and I f- totally forgot. I must have bought that a year ago, and it took. They they get some limited run gets flack for uh, taking forever to ship things. Yeah. Um, here's a bit of a, a, cause the reason they've been getting a lot of flack lately, it wasn't early on, but it's been lately. They've gotten a lot of, uh, Kimco has gotten a lot of flack for being kind of too much because mm-hmm. with the digital mobile release, I think they either held on to a bunch and just kind of stored them up and then released a whole bunch at once Because over the last couple of years. I'm just like, they've, they've done annual releases like they did two games in 2014 two games in 15 three games in 2017 six games in 2018 but then their big hit was 2019 they put out 14 games God. and then in 28 uh, 2020 so far they've put out about 10 20, we're in 2021 oh shoot wow my bad and i so i i took the notes i took the notes in 2020 I, I, I didn't look for 2021 yet, but so they put out they put out 10 games in 2020, and you can kind of tell the quality. It's real self aware and kind of well, cheesy. People, people call it the they just make RPG maker games. The graphics all like all the games look like a little oh like a like what like 16 like, like 16 bit RPGs, but they all look kind of look kind of generic and samey from what yeah. I can tell. I only, I only played one of the games, so I mean. Yeah, we've only played this one so far, but no, honestly, it wasn't awful. It was cheesy. Yeah. I wonder, um, I'm wondering, because I, I was wondering if, if we even bothered talking about this game on the podcast. But I wonder if, because uh, we're going to say a couple, of, quite a, a couple of positive things about this game. I wonder if our tune will change if we get a few a few more Kimco games under our belt. Oh, yeah. Would you this like being games? our first game. The first game's like, it's not that bad. By game 10, you're like... Why does this company still exist? Because they're making the same thing. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe they're making the same thing. Because yeah. we actually have a few of their games that were claimed on gold. They they put a few out on games with gold. So we have a one or two other ones. It'd be confusing to tell if any of them are connected because they put out so many games. Yeah, exactly. Some of them have the same. Some of the they, they sound like they're from the same series because they have some of the same names. There's a 
I mean, I'm not even gonna try to remember the names of some of them, but there's a bunch that seem like they're from the same series of games, but you can't really tell because they all kind of look the same. I mean, the same thing. You look at that, and there's a lot of genres that do, especially RPGs that do that. Like Final mm-hmm. Fantasies aren't really connected, except for but through like there's no names two Final Fantasies that look the same though. That exactly. Yeah, that is true. I mean, but uh, this is a, a turn-based RPG, mm-hmm. and. Probably the main thing I'll probably talk about will be the combat, because that was probably the most unique thing about it. Yeah, even with the the built-in, not only cheats, like built-in rapid fire speed and everything else. Yeah, well, yeah. We'll, 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 do you want to kind of delve into it now? You can do the combat, yeah. Right. So basically, Alvastia Chronicles is just a stereotypical JRPG in fast forward, <laughs> basically, because yeah, it gives you it gives you because you can tell that it was meant to be like on a mobile device, like a Vita or a phone, because it does have a tiny uh, gotcha uh, mechanic mm-hmm. that you don't have to use. Never really, I've never, never touched it. Yeah, it never really did anything. I did it for the achievements. I think I did get the one K in the seventeen hours. I got yeah. that. I did get the one K for you it. You say gotcha, but you didn't actually put money into the game. There's these no. There's some gems or something that you get just for playing the game. And you spend them to buy cool stuff. And when the game starts, they give you a fat stack of them. And um, there's actually these little... There's like several game-breaking mechanics that are entirely optional for to use. And because I am who I am and I'm cheap, I use them. Because there's uh, some things early on that the the TA guide recommended that you buy. Mm-hmm. So there are these two amazing items. One was called a heavy jacket, and the other one was called the fragrant mantle. Mm-hmm. Now the fragrant you don't use the fragrant mantle right away, but it does become mm-hmm. incredibly useful. Yeah, but the main thing you're going to you'll probably use is this thing called the heavy jacket, and you're used to seeing these in pretty much every anything that has a dungeon mm-hmm. ever. They're the oh, what do you? Like the arrow puzzles. When you sit, you we walk into an arrow and it launches you in that direction. Yeah, I remember first seeing it when I was a kid in like the first Pokemon games. Exactly, and like uh, Silphco and stuff like that. Mm. And so basically, what happens is with the heavy jacket, it literally just doubles your weight and it, makes it just, you immune to the arrows. So yeah. you can just free and it just breaks the game puzzle. Yeah, it's and pretty awesome. It was fantastic. And the game also comes with two, has a, a times two and a times three battle speeds. Mm-hmm. Sure it wasn't higher than that? It was times two and times three. I found out it's times three later, but... Yeah, it's fast. And then there's an option you can turn on, and it's just called um, Battle Assist, I think is what it was called. I think it was called Battle Assist or Combat Assist. And what would happen is... If you were so many levels above a fight, it would do the uh, like the screen would fade to black, like as if you were about to get into a fight, and then it would immediately pop up on the uh, the reward screen, yeah, playing the victory music. Win, yeah. And so it made that combined with the fragrant mantle, which doubled your encounter rate. No, the oh. fragrant, fragrant mantle made you get into a fight every step. Oh, every step. That's right. So you was like, and it made grinding leveling up really rapid. And farming for some of the side quest items you had to do was fantastic. Yeah. Now, as far as story, it's very blasé. 
and very stereotypical. You got four crystals, four elemental archfiends, one big bad who rules over the archfiends, trying to take over the world. He's not really the big bad. He's being controlled by a bigger bad. Which you get to find out in the post-game. Yeah. But again, 17 hours. You, uh, I forget exactly how they explain it, but you do have a silent protagonist, and they do make a joke, I think, in the beginning, explaining, trying, trying to write off why he's silent. It's something silly, like he... Uh, it's a traumatic event from his past. Yeah. But at least they try to... I guess at least they try to give him a reason to be silent. But he does carry on a notepad and, like, scribble down stuff when he's trying to talk. Very he does, fast. He does, he does talk, apparently. He just scribbles down... Uh, what he wants to say to everybody, which is kind of kind of funny. I've never seen that in RPG before, so I give him credit for that. For most silent protagonists, everybody just acts like they're talking. Yeah, but you see him like do the funny little hand motions and run up, run into the middle of conversations and hold up the notebook in people's faces because they're not listening to what he has to say. Yeah, I it is, that was pretty funny. Like, it is very comical to the point. It being very comical, there is um. One of these huge baddies, these these elemental arch fiends, uh, the Earth one in particular, his name is like Grivar. I have them all wrote down. It's yeah, Grivar, the Griever, ha ha ha. And he's just massive, like Earth-looking demon. He's got these massive horns. He's you know wider than a brick house. And at one point in the game, he's like taunting the the main cast of characters and he throws out a monster you beat it and he goes well, I don't have time to deal with you laters with a Z and a heart and then disappears yeah. and I was like what did I just witness yeah and the game is funny and it's but it's very weak. there's a well you know I got to the there's, there's a main cast like you kind of you kind of went in the combat and back in the story and back in the combat and back in the story you're all, you're all over the place um so you go back to the combat, explain that because there's a yeah. couple of main characters, and then and then they're they're paired with uh, companions. Yeah, that's what I was about to get into. I just kind of was went off on a bit of a tangent. So combat, you have you have a three. Hold on, how do I explain this? Okay, you have three main people, which are your main character Alan, and then two other people you get uh, later a uh, an ogre named Rain. She's pretty awesome. And an um, elf mage named Gil. And so each of them have command of three other subunits. But they all attack as one. If you pick attack, they all use a physical attack. Or you use a special, and you can tell each one to use a special ability individually. Yeah, but it, Or you can, you can individually control them. Or you can just set the auto thing to like all-out attack. And they all just blast away with abilities in the auto combat. With their strongest attack or their strongest magic. You are... <clears throat> when it comes to doing that, and like he mentioned earlier with the, the the fragrant mantle and the the rapid speed combat, and then you're fully healed after every fight anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the TA guy said there was no no mm-hmm. sense in not setting everybody to all out attack and then just playing the whole game like that because you're fully healed after every fight anyway. Yeah. So I mean, how, how fast fights go and everybody's using their the strongest blowing things away. The strongest, and you can turn battle animations on and off. So. Yeah, so it was very fast. And so each of these three people actually get bonuses depending on what characters you get. And this has a, I don't want to give it too much credit, 
a semi sui coden feel when it comes to recruiting because there's a set number of characters you can recruit throughout the entire game mm-hmm. and they're all different races you have humans elves ogres monsters monsters and something else it was like a, that was like a miscellaneous they were, they were called uh yeah it, it was miscellaneous but they were spirits or something well how the game worked in explaining this is when someone died near something if it was a traumatic enough event then their spirit would possess this item so as you go through the game you occasionally recruited a dresser a chest a a broomstick and stuff like that and they were just comedy every now and again you get across one that was actually kind of powerful but you immediately replaced it with something else poltergeist well, yeah, pretty much Poltergeist is pretty much what the class was called, Poltergeist? Yeah. But they, were, they think their name in game were like the inanimate or something like that. Well, Anima was the uh, animal people. Yeah, we, we had the animal people too. Anima was the animal, like anamorphic, an anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic animal people. Yeah. Uh, but I, think, I really think they called the, I think Poltergeist or Polter or something like that, they called the... Inanimate objects that had ghosts in them. They probably did, because like I said, it wasn't the most clever of games when it came to the dialogue. And this is all topped off. The reason that you are fully healed after every battle and you have all these different people is your sister, Elmia, who happens to be one of the priestesses who guards one of the four crystal towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the priestesses have this special ability where they can teleport. They can teleport yeah, themselves and any anyone else as long as they think about them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the game does its gimmick, is you recruit all these people, and they're like, call me anytime. So like, one of your party members early on is like the town blacksmith, and he's like, let me know when you need help. I'm going to get back to work. So you'll be halfway across the world getting to a battle, and this guy just gets sucked from his workshop yeah, into battle you gotta think about what that means especially if you're like doing think about if you're doing some uh, some grinding for some items and he's like he's fighting the fight and back to his thing he's like oh, that sucked and, and then back and forth like the 25 fights it takes you to get all the items you need Just think about the the consequences of what the idea of them see that was her way of explaining how she can call where you don't have to carry around. It was like over 100 something. I think it was like 200 total, divided so, kind of evenly between all the different uh, races. Yeah. Like 200 companions. So you can't carry around 200 companions. So they she just, they wrote in the way, oh, she could just teleport people in. And I was like, well, that could be kind of traumatic, getting popped back and forth across the world. Speaking of the, the warping thing, this is also, again, what I talked about on RPG and Fast Forward, Besides uh, Elmia, with the being able to teleport people to and from her specifically in any point in time. She uses that in the story, too. Yeah, exactly. Time, she yeah. would use that in the story. But she's also the reason that you're fully healed after every battle. Oh, I must have missed that. And because she's the priestess of light. Or whatever. And then the two other things she can do almost instantaneously from the beginning of the game is you have a warp function that lets you warp to anywhere you've been in the whole game, which kind of cuts off world map travel which the game oddly enough did have a world map mm-hmm. which is it was trying to be old school I mean the whole point of Kinko yeah. is old school RPGs and it also had an escape function like you'd make it through this you know I don't know 30 minute dungeon and you fight the boss and they're like okay now leave so and just instead of leaving you would just hit like right bumper 
or whatever to open up the sub menu and just click escape, you'd automatically teleport to the front of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. The game was I I think I'm pretty sure it knew what it was. It was well, very so. Who knows if this is this is game two or three hundred for Kimco? Exactly. They have a certain thing. I imagine. I imagine, like I said before earlier at the beginning, that if we play other Kimco games, they'll all be very. We depending on where you play in the Kimco timeline, you'll start seeing features that make it there and aren't there and stuff like that. It's also um, ease of gaming. Like, I'm, they're definitely aware of what they're doing, and they're like, "Hey, people who like RPGs but don't have time to sit down and play a sixty-hour RPG or a hundred twenty-hour RPG, here you go. Here's a boatload of twenty or twenty-hour or less RPGs. Um, have fun, because that's yeah. it's." it's and again, our tune may change the more we play. But as of right now, this being the only one we've sat down and put time into, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the the combat was probably my favorite part, just because when you recruited companions, they were all ranked on your standard gotcha mechanic, which is one star to five star. And my only problem is, I never really like. Obviously, a one star, a five star, would be much better than a one star. That's just how it's gonna go. Just their higher up stats or their overall ability. After it gets to a certain point, though, like the game stop doesn't give you anything higher than a three. Yeah. I spent almost the entire game with a bunch of three people that there's I got. Some, there's some late game fours, like I think I think like post game fours. Yeah, I think I saw one. I'm not. Even, did I see? I think I saw one five. There was some fives in the. Uh... You needed a bunch of arena points. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Uh, I'm not I'm about doing the arena. Well, I, I used the arena to train or for something. I forget what I used the arena for, but you get arena points and some of some of the massive achievements were attached. Achievements to were attached to it, but some of the massive arena points payouts were uh, some five star characters, yeah, but, which you really don't need. I'm not gonna get into the story <laughs> because is there anything in the story that's worth mentioning? Um, we mentioned the. Silent protagonist story. Yeah, there's really not. There's nothing that's not just completely generic about the. Yeah, stereotypical generic about your standard. No voice acting, of course. That that was that wouldn't fit the style, I guess, because they, they're going for that 16-bit era graphics and style. The the one cool thing they kind of did is uh, because you got the four. Uh, let me get my thoughts straight. Because you have the four elemental crystals. But how they explain it is these four elemental crystals are, they're powering these pillars, which are literally holding the world up. Oh, yeah, this stuff. So that this, was actually kind of cool. The world is, like, where you're playing is up in the sky, and you actually get like a, a boat, but it's like a cloud boat, mm-hmm. and you're sailing on the clouds, which is kind of neat. They call it like the cloud sailor or a cloud soul. sea. Yeah, the cloud sea is what, cloud you, sea is what you're sailing on, but, but it's on like an airship boat thing that floats on the clouds. I guess that's worth mentioning that the world is held up by these four pillars and below you, the underworld's like overrun by demons and monsters. Yeah, because like a thousand years ago you were saved by the quote-unquote best of mankind or rather the last of mankind was saved by the uh, these sky people mm-hmm. who was like, oh, we don't want to see a... There were these benevolent overseers who didn't want to see a world be... Uh, go extinct. So yeah. they shared technology with the the four races, or the races of this world, and literally lifted them with support of these giant magical pillars that were all powered by a fire crystal, earth crystal, wind crystal, water crystal. <laughs> and so you have the four priestesses of light that are guarding the crystals, so on and yeah. so forth. So that was actually the, one of the one cool things that they did 
Yeah. Is the crystals actually... They did served something. a point. They signed did something. A, they just, I guess. Well, they sort of did something. Yeah. In the background, they kind of did. They power the pillars, I guess. Yeah. But it actually did one kind of... Like, they always talk about it, but in games about these priestesses of light, it being a job, being about sacrifice and stuff like that, they actually make a pretty good, solid point of, of uh, iterating how lonely it is. Because how they talk about these uh, four priestesses is you have all these nominees and lower class, but once you become a priestess, whoever is officially elected as the priestess of water, fire, etc., they literally lock you in a room that may or may not have light. The only light, I think, is generated by the crystal itself. You're locked in that room, and you have to pray to that crystal every day, nonstop, in order to keep the, the crystal charged. You don't get to interact with other people. You don't get to do... They give you food. Someone opens a door, slides you a food tray, and closes the door and tries not to interact you because they don't want to interrupt your praying. So that was like... That was actually... They iterate that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I thinking about that, that's actually really sad and really dark little yeah. thing, little tidbit they did in this... And I, I did appreciate it. I was like, well, I never really thought about that because usually in stuff like that, they have handmaidens and stuff and they pray one hour a day. Like in one game we were, we might talk about here before too long, but in Bravely Default, if she prayed every now and again but had a whole bunch of apostles and stuff that just kind of like took care of her hand and foot. Yeah. But this wasn't like that. This was a darker version <laughs> and a fairly lighthearted game. Yeah. Being a Kimco game, I'm not sure there's that much more to say. Exactly. And because you, what, what did you get any of the vehicles besides that airship? Well, you want to spoil it? There's oh, a, yeah, the I dragon. Wanna, the dragon. I want to so, sp- like typical RPG fashion. You walk, you walk a bunch, and you get a boat, and then you get an air thing. It's a dragon. It's not the first time you've given it. You're given a dragon in an RPG to fly on. I mean, but then you flying around is fairly pointless because you, you can warp, warp anywhere. Yeah, so. And I said we want to mention, we usually try to mention tedious achievements. This game is fairly good on achievements, except for the final achievement, which is taking so many steps. Yeah. Which you can you can mitigate some of that. Now, thankfully, if you don't use Blake, escape all Blake the time. beat the game before I did, like a couple of days before me, and he recommended uh, walking a lot more near the near the end game and flying places instead of instead of to warping everywhere. He warped. I think you warped everywhere. Yeah. Kind of regretted it, so your little end part took longer. So what happens then when you beat this game, the entire game, post game, and everything? The final achievement for taking was it fifty thousand steps or something? Yeah, you're short by a couple of couple of tens of thousands of steps, even still. Because I'd been warping or and more using the or escape. more if you've been warping. So even though I flew, I flew every I flew everywhere on the dragon and walked everywhere and did as much as I could. I still there was still a sequence in the end where you kind of. Uh, the TA guide recommends just hopping on the dragon and just hit holding left and holding right. Unfortunately, the map doesn't loop. Some yeah. some RPGs have world maps that just loop and you hold a direction. This one didn't because you had to hold to a direction and hold back the other direction and hold back to the direction and just you got to keep doing that till that fi- to the final achievement for walking fifty thousand steps pops. It probably added an extra hour or two almost. Pro- in all honesty, yeah, but it wasn't hardly anything. I just watched random stuff on my phone and just rotated the analog stick in circles. Yeah, so unnecessary. I mean, I, I don't know how, how if they were able to judge 
how long the game was based off how many steps they think you would need to take to complete the entire game. I think that they misjudged it a little bit. A little bit. But, I mean, 50,000, that's a nice solid round number, too. I kind of like that. Yeah. I just my the only issue was the fact that I, I was used, I was about I was about I was still about twenty thousand short. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. So I think I was to, less. To, I, I think when the whole game was in, I was like twenty two thousand out of fifty, and I was like, "Oh balls!" Yeah. So that sucked, but that was still it didn't take away. I mean, I uh, was wrapped this game up here. I, I did kind of enjoy it. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't. I mean, I, I wasn't mad when I was playing it or anything like that. Uh, some of the writing was okay. Some of the writing was real bad. Um, he said there's two other characters, Rain and, and Gil. Gil. Gil is just a womanizer. So you have, you've seen plenty of womanizers in JRPGs. Rain's just a rough and tough ogre. Ogre lady who ogre lady. Who yeah, whoops so, I mean, butt there, in high nothing, heels. Nothing. Yeah, nothing too fancy about them. Um, bad guys are the bad guys. I mean, there's not. There's really not a lot to go off there but that said it's 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 a it's a easy to sit through it was rpg a, and maybe kimco's bread and butter maybe that's what they want you to think like hey it wasn't that bad once you played it, it wasn't that bad maybe i'll buy another one and they're still around they're still making games yeah they are so they wouldn't be around if people weren't buying them exactly so if they if it's usually into video games like if something's not working that video company goes away or they yeah. try to get absorbed by somebody else and told to it's like, hey, we're going to absorb you when you start making a Call of Duty game every year. And there's crap like That's that. What, uh, I'm not going to get on a tangent, but a lot of companies that EA absorb, my, one of my favorites, Visceral and stuff like that, when they just, if they don't make enough money, EA just reroutes you to making some either yeah. Battlefield or like you're, you're just rerouted to making DLC for something else. You're just, they take all this talent and just... Waste it. Yeah, shred it to pieces and throw it bodies at their bigger games it's such a waste i do have one last thing i want to talk about with the combat mm-hmm. is i think i said it uh, off podcast where we actually playing the game is i would have loved this com this combat would be amazing in a higher quality game more specifically one game that i played specific and i've never actually been able to beat is a game called last remnant mm-hmm which gives you a similar thing. It gives you a core, gives you a core leader for a, a group of people, mm-hmm. and it does the thing where, like, if you say attack, everyone does a physical attack. You say special, everyone tries to do a special attack or magic. You, try, you know, you know, Last Remnant got re-released as a quote-unquote remaster. It wasn't like a, a full-blown thing. I've, I think they upscaled the upscaled it a little bit. I, I think it's only on. I think it's only on PS4. I thought about it in all honesty. I I'm really did. It. Maybe I'll catch, we'll catch it on catch it on sale for sometime if you want to try it again. I, I know you got to the very the very last boss and of I, that game. I couldn't beat the last boss. And I couldn't see, be, be defeat the the secret boss neither. Yeah, but I saw the whole story and I, I it was a fantastic game. But the combat being incredibly luck based, and it punished you for training. And I I just yeah I know. And we 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 we, we love training. We see it in a lot of RPG groups. People people complaining about grinding in RPGs and. I see so many of these. It's got to be kids complaining about when they uh, when they re-release the uh, all the Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, and ten and stuff like that of all hit all hit modern consoles. People are like, "God, these games are so slow. It takes so long to do everything. And I don't want to have to get stronger. I just want to win or something like that." I'm like, "Oh my God, it's just like the kids these days. It's just they don't have patience. They just want to plow through like an action battle yeah, so system." We love, me and White love the. Still love the grind and getting stronger and stuff like that. We we love that that, that kind of stuff and 
uh, which backfires in a, a game like a Last, like last Remnant. Remnant. And the, uh, apparently, uh, we might, I don't know if we'll get it, but the upcoming HD re-release of uh, Nocturne. Oh, yeah. Apparently, grinding is bad in that game, too, because the game, the, the world levels up with you. Which is nothing wrong with the world leveling up with you, but it's when it's stacked against you is the really hard part. Because 8 does that, too. The world levels yes. up with uh, Squall. Squall specifically. So, but at least you have, at least in 8 and, and Nocturne, you have control of your people. Yeah. Like in the Remnant, you, it's... You have minimal control. Very, very minimal control. You can, like, I hope they heal this turn. Well, you would click support, and then hopefully they would cast heal, or and they not would a, And not, a, not a, some other random support ability. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a really bad combat system. Had potential to be good, but it didn't give you enough control. But we'll talk about that game later. Um, do you got anything else you want to uh, add to... That's all I got for this. I do have one thing. You have one thing on top of that other I one. I know. On top yeah. of the other one thing remember, that you have. The amount of there's like what two songs, three songs in the entirety of Alvastia. Uh, I found like I I did music already. I, I you you've heard some already in the podcast in the background. I found five or six different things. There's a overworld song, a battle song, a boss song, a, a town song. There's just okay. Well, I, I just remember the music. I'm like I swear I'm in this final dungeon. I've heard this song in the first town. Like, the music yeah, was not that. Great. Was not that many. It was five or six different tracks it's yeah that's the last thing i want to pick at uh yeah the songs aren't well not I mean, it's it's 16-bit music it's nothing really to write home about but I, I did find a couple of them so they'll be playing here throughout two I'll, I'll play two two or three of them we'll see and you're ready to tackle our next one yep so that's it that's uh Al- alvastia chronicles uh it was on game pass it's not anymore i think most chemco games go for like ten dollars if it sounds interesting, uh, I will mention, like Blake mentioned in the beginning, um, about the show notes and stuff like that. I have started a couple episodes back, and I've been retroactively fixing old podcasts. Um, that if you go to the show notes and you're like, I wonder what that game looks like, and you don't want, to, and you're too lazy to Google, which a lot of people are, I am putting a link uh, in the show notes to each game. I'll mention each game in the show notes. If you click the name of the game, it links you to a uh, trailer for that game on. YouTube, if you're curious about what a game mm-hmm. looks like. I try to do trailers that have gameplay. It's not always possible. People just don't like showing gameplay to their games. But most games I can try to get uh, what a game looks like based off the trailer if you just click on the little link in the show notes. And that's all I got for that. You wanna go go right into we're gonna go right into our second game, which is a game we uh a co-op game on Xbox One we played together. It's before we had our Series Xs. Hey, I think it's a game that got enhanced way after the fact. I don't. Maybe it got enhanced. I'm not sure. And I'm pretty sure I streamed our. We entire- streamed the entire playthrough of this. Um, so we 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 try to stream our co-op stuff. So, uh, yeah, boy, go ahead with the next game here. Right. Our next game is called Journey to the Savage Planet. Developed by, hold on, it was released January 28th, 2020. 
and then over the course of that year it came out on everything it came out yeah basically xbox and playstation and then even later i think in february of 2021 it, it released on switch and so the game is developed by uh typhoon studios now i got some sad news it's their only game they're a canadian developer their developer that have been around since 2017 it's the only game they've managed to put out they were absorbed by SGE, which is uh, Stadia Gaming and Entertainment. Ugh. And then that company is now defunct February 2021. So a year later, they... They went under. Because people were dogging on the Stadia so much. And it, the, the, I'm not getting the Stadia politics, but they put out the Stadia and then Google abandoned the Stadia. I mean, it's their <laughs> thing. Exactly. Um... So that sucks. So they got absorbed by a company that almost like almost a year later just like gave up on life. They had this game they had this game ready to go out. And I guess they were shopping it at people. And Stadia was like, "Hey, that game sounds great. Can we launch it on on Stadia?" And they're like, "Google Stadia? How can this fail?" <laughs> and they put it out. And like I said, they put it out in early 2020. And then they you know, put some extra stuff out in May. And then in February, they put it out on the Switch. And then February 28, 21st, February 21st of 2021, they're like, uh, guys, we're shutting down. Sorry, Stadia's not successful. <laughs> that had been a whirlwind of a, a year. Yeah. And, so, and as far as I, I don't know, I, I looked into it. I couldn't see if anyone else had absorbed them or anything. They're probably just wallowing in depression. Mm, I imagine. Which is really, really sad to be absorbed by Google Stadia. And then to be shut down. Yeah. It's so stupid. So hopefully, because the game's not terrible, so I hope they yeah. get to do something else. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we can get into the game. Is it enjoy, get, so the, no, the news will be on that, beyond mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. death of the company? The, they, they only had 25 employees, which is a pretty standard, mm -hmm. which we're coming to get to for these independent companies. Mm -hmm. And then the 25 people are working. Who knows, who knows where now? Yeah. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm choking here. Okay, so Journey of the Savage Planet, the entire game can be co-opted, I think, from the get-go. I don't remember there being a tutorial. I think we all we could co I was able to join in as soon as you yeah. were able to leave the ship. Yeah, so, well, I think you, can't you, spawn, you spawn inside the ship. So do we spawn inside the ship together? I don't remember. Yeah, I, I spawned in like your clone-o-matic or whatever. I was technically a clone of you that was self-aware. The only thing I couldn't do as a co-op player is I couldn't interact with your computer and like change my character's face and stuff. Not face, but like his helmet and his outfit. I couldn't do that. I don't think you changed that at all, period. You, you there's a little, it wasn't a bunch. You had like three options. There was something you could do to customize your suit. I really don't think there was. I thought it was like change the, the face shield color and something else. Like I said, it wasn't much. I don't remember that at all. So maybe, maybe there wasn't any. I don't know. I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. It was literally like tinted green, tinted orange, tinted black. It was four maybe or three. It wasn't many. I don't even know why they even bothered putting stuff in there. But I couldn't interact with your computer and do that. I, I thought I was in your game. No, I was in your game. Okay. Because <laughs> we weren't sure how it was going to work and... 
I was having issues like that night or something. Like I couldn't connect to Xbox Live. You were connected and connecting to you. And then we just played the whole thing on you. I just streamed it. Okay. So the game itself, it's a... Uh, what would you call it? It's, it's, F, it's an FPS. It's an FPS. We'll try to explain how, how it looks. I mean... It's 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 style. It's kind of cartoony, stylized. It's extremely bright and colorful. It's a very vibrant, and not Pixar, not a. It's a very vibrant, cute alien world where everything's yeah. trying to kill you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't know. How, I can't think of the art because the art style. I, I say realistic, but that's definitely no. That's it's not realistic. It's yes. stylized, cartoony. Yeah, over exaggerated alien monsters. Yeah. You had flying jellyfish, f- lizards that whenever you hit them would split into multiple parts and just smaller, and then yeah. exploding eyeballs. It was yeah, it's it's a just a real bright and colorful game which you see immediately if you see a trailer or if you just look at the front the front the little f- title the just little, the cover art yeah the thumbnail for the cover art it's all all that color and brightness and. I think it's supposed to be misleading that it's cheerful, maybe because yeah. it's got everything in the game's trying to kill you. That's why it's Journey to the Savage Planet. Everything is trying to kill you. You died a lot in this game. So, what would you classify it as, though? It's still a first person, first first person shooter puzzle game. You shoot and you puzzle. Would you call it a Metroidvania? Uh, it can be a little bit because there's a lot of th- there's a lot of coming back, like getting new equipment and coming back to old areas. There's a bunch of that. So, I mean, it could be a, a bit of a 3D Metroidvania. Yeah, because because I, I knew you get stuff to come back and try to find some. There's of a the, bunch of that. A bunch yeah. of coming back, even going leaving different different sections of the planet and coming back to uh, get old stuff you couldn't reach before. Because like, we you increase your how well your jump pack your jump pack works and stuff like that. So you can, yeah. you know jump double jump was that even a triple jump probably at certain points well there's a double jump in your hook shot so you jump up hook the sh- and i would like sure. do your hook shot was very very unique yeah. but let me get into kind of like the uh the meat the story the quote unquote Squ- story. story of the game there's not much story you know you work you are an employee of kindred aerospace and they are the fourth best interstellar exploration company and they are super proud that they're number four (laughs) like overly so and the whole point of your uh thing is you're literally rocketed into a random planet like you and a couple other people but you're part of the that's what the company does they just shoot their employees into into planets hoping to find a planet that has stuff they want exactly and so you, apparently the job has a high mortality rate. Very. That's why you get to clone a matic machine. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not, cloning yourself over and over again trying to complete the job. And so you are going to ARY-26 is the name of your planet. And it's just to find out if it's suitable for habitation or if it's like a, a fact 2 planet that you can just harvest what you want and leave. So you get launched to your planet, and as soon as you land... Because you're transmitting data back immediately, the owner of uh, Kindred Aerospace is like, "Hey, there's a, a power source on the planet that wasn't there when we originally sent the uh, like the scout drones." Mm-hmm. So, or, yeah, so, is that the call? Is it like a scout drone or like exploratory something? Yeah. And so, I need you to figure that out, and you, we're going to disable your ship. 
<laughs> so you can't leave until you figure it out. How's that sound? But if you figure it out, you'll get a bonus. <laughs> they treat the whole thing like this big corporation thing offering you bonuses and extra PTO and this, that, and the other is your reward. Is your rewards. Uh, so it does have a... Uh, you generally meet... You don't meet... I don't think you meet any other characters, but you do get to watch these... Uh, kin, is it Kindred Aerospace? Kindred Aerospace. These Kindred commercials and other Kindred things that come up on your screen inside your ship, these ridiculously funny commercials... And then the only other person you communicate with is this Kindred Space. This I think he's the CEO. Is he a CEO or just some random scientist? He's that Bob works Kindred. For, he's Bob Kindred. He's the CEO. So he's of the Kindred. guy who sends you videos at certain. He communicates you to at certain thresholds of progress. Yeah. It's and, and these are live action videos of just some some goofy dude acting out this whole this whole thing for you and telling you what your job is and how well you're doing and whether or not you get to leave and it's a it's a he's a funny guy he's. It, 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 all the comedy is in those videos. They're from him. Is he the only guy you meet? Mm-hmm. There might be some people in the background, but he's the he's the only he's the main person, and he's the main person you communicate with. Mm-hmm. You see other people, but they're just in like commercials and adverts yeah, and stuff like that. So you don't actually run, you don't, on the actual planet. There's no sentient life beyond the aliens. I don't know if aliens are even sentient or just trying, they're all trying to kill you. I think they're all trying to kill you. Uh, so yeah, you have you have him talking to you occasionally, and he's the one who like sends you. Once you do well enough, he sends you the various unlocks, the upgrades for your suits and your little gun that you have, and other things like that. Because you, you you get a a a, a plethora of uh, tools and gadgets and grenades and stuff to mm-hmm. use. Um, just like. Ten different styles of grenade. I think there was like frost, fire, and the sea. There's a whole bunch of different types of grenades you could, or at least, well, not grenades specifically, but a throwable object. We'll say. Yeah. Well, there's like the there's a bunch of things you throw. They're not all grenades. There's like things you throw to on the ground, and it makes like this bouncy goop that you can jump on this bouncy goop. And you you would bounce on that, and then double you would double bounce on that, and use your rocket and do your your. Grapple hook, railgun yeah, thing. A lot of a lot of platforming, which I'm I don't really like platforming, especially first person platforming. But there's a, there's a lot of that in this game. It's a, it's a, it's kind of lenient because you got so many things to. You have so many uh, uh, handicaps. Like oh no, I'm falling. Let me use my rocket booster to give me the extra pump and because everything when it worked, it worked. I didn't really have a, too much of an issue with anything. I don't want to. I'll talk about it in a minute, but when we get to the DLC, but all the everything else worked fine. All the gimmicks worked mm-hmm. fine, and they worked very well together. Yeah, it's just only, only, only hint, the main hindrance would be skill. Yeah, <laughs> which it comes in. Which, yeah. You know. Um, so we're, really, you're just running around. Uh, the planet is divided. I think the main game is divided into three large sections. Three, one, two, three. There's yeah, three big ones. Three big ones. Four. Well, you have three three big ones, and like you have like the main, the underground final area. Yeah. But you're really just your job is to uh, chronicle, chronicle, catalog, catalog, catalog what's on the planet and uh, find that the main story is to find that energy source. But you're really just running around scanning stuff. And try not to die and shooting different aliens. You're scanning the plants. You're scanning the aliens themselves and scanning every strange thing you see. And you're just finding these um, 
what do they call the little orbs of things you need for your upgrades? The life stones, the uh, energy stones. I guess you didn't write it down. There, I just I just wrote health upgrades. There's a hundred of them on the planet. Well, those are those orange goopy things that apparently come to find out because your your suit has an AI thing that talks to you. Mm -hmm. Your first little health upgrade you find is these little orange goopy things, and the character just smashes it into his face. She's wearing a helmet, so I don't know what good that does. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be eating it. I don't know. She tells you to eat it. He just smashes it into his face, even though he's wearing a helmet. And it, she continually makes jokes about what the uh, orange goop is doing to your physiology of your body, but just keep on doing it anyway. Because it, one of the collectibles is these orange things that are scattered all across the planet, which just give you increased, makes your health bar bigger and bigger as you play throughout. And they, there's, I think there was like a hundred of them. Something like that. I don't know. We got them. We got them all because yeah. uh, you get um you do get suit upgrades, which makes them uh makes them appear on your scanner. When you scan around, you it shows them nearby, and you kind of kind of work out, kind of puzzle out where they are exactly based off of how you. Because a lot of them are hidden behind. Uh, there's easy stuff like one. There's just like ooh, one's a lot of a lot of hidden in this tall grass. Yeah, and you find some of the tall grass, which is like weird why they're not hidden that well. And then there's some behind r barriers that you have to blow up. You'll see, it's like, oh, so this that's what the Metrovania comes in. Like, oh, I guess I need bombs to blow you this up. You need a bomb to blow this up or an ice bomb or to freeze it. <clears throat> or, there, or there'll be um, um, this weird little obstacle obstacle course. Little, there's like these caves we're going to. It's like some grapple hook obstacle courses in a way. You would call it just a little go and you, and you land in the end. And the very end of it, there'll be a, a health thing and some other scattering of ma uh, materials. Because you need these other... There's these other types of materials you need to build your upgrades. Oh, yeah, forget, you, you, it's like iron. Aluminum. Yeah. Was just, it something else? I don't, I don't remember what they were, but they're usually... Basically, any gem, any stereotypical gem you can think to find in a lot of simple metals. Yeah, and they're they're either in the like just the rocks that you break and you just collect them automatically. or um, Carbon was a big one. Sorry. Yeah, carbon, carbon was, was a big because you get carbon from killing enemies. Because everything, everything in existence carbon. is made up of carbon. So there was a lot, of, a lot of gathering of that stuff. And then that's how you got your upgrades and unlocked your blueprints. Because every time the story beats and you did something well, the, the homeboy sent you a, a, new blueprint. a new blueprint or something to unlock the different... Yeah, that's how, the and different... that's how it, it progresses to give you... You'll know you're locked behind something or you can't get past something. We were locked a long time. We couldn't figure out those stupid, uh, until we figured out there'd be some sort of upgrade for it. Those, those doors that lock when you, the doors that shut when you run up oh, to Oh, yeah, them. yeah. Jesus, the shock barriers. Shock barriers. Yeah, we got, was pretty annoyed. But there's a bunch of stuff hidden behind those things. Pretty annoyed because it's a long time before you even before get you that. Before you get the shock barriers. You, um, you get, like, the first time you see it is in, like, literally the first area. The first area, yeah. It has, it has a little cave and you can't, like, how do you get to this door? Like, this is and you don't get the shockberry until like halfway through the third map or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It's one of the last things you get. Um, like I didn't mind the Metroidvania, and we, I think we beat the game. It was like twenty-two hours. I don't know. The cool less. thing about I, I want to say the cool thing about the uh, co-op and the Metroidvania of this game is that uh, on any given we, we had to be on the same section. The, the game is divided into three or four. What was it? Three or four yeah. sections. But we can be in the we got to be in the, we got to be in the same section. But we can but we can be anywhere. We can free we can be roam, completely split up and uh, scavenge in our own way. And like and when, when whoever collected the upgrade, the other person gets. We had shared materials, mm -hmm. uh, shared the health upgrades, stuff like that. So he go we go different directions. And you could split up, 
and collect stuff. It was actually really, really intuitive it's that like way. You, it's like you both start in the same location. You're like, all right, I'm going to go left I'm a, and I'm going to go right. And I'm like, cool, meet you later. Yeah. And as I was going through the, you know, covering the left side of the map, I might unlock one or two uh, teleporters. Mm-hmm. And Drew was like, I didn't find, you know, I found something over here, but no teleporter. And he would go back to the front and he could warp to any of the teleporters I, I had unlocked at the time. Yeah. It's so uh, free in that kind of way that uh, you can uh, individually stumble on stumble into a boss fight by yourself, Which, and it doesn't even pull it doesn't even pull the other character to you. You just start screaming, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Yeah, oh my god. I need some help! I need some help! And you're like, "Where are you at?" And you got to find my little icon and come sprinting towards me to come jump into the boss fight with me. But then there were just bigger aliens. There were some because you had a lot of mini bosses, but yeah. some of the I think any big boss you weren't allowed to go into. Like the area boss, I don't think you could go into. Sure, because there's only like two or three big, big bosses. I feel like I walked into the one, the the mother fly thing. Oh, you did walk in there without me. That yeah, is true. I was in the mother blood fly fight by myself for a minute. Yeah, so yeah. I stumbled out because kind of fell into that fight, and you were somewhere else on the other, other side of that. Cause that. That second area is really big. Yeah. Um, the, without all the, the floating islands. Yeah. The game is really pretty, like it, very, yeah. very pretty. You can yeah. just stand there and like a... And there's so many different biomes you go through, like the rain, you know, standard stuff. You go through all the different, and every single one of them, except for the ice one, the ice ones are always just bland. Yeah. I don't know. You can't just, ice is just bland. I don't care what you say. Like, oh, yeah, look at this awesome Arctic wasteland. Well, you didn't You didn't think, you, you recently played, I'm going to get on the tangent, but you recently played uh, Horizon. You didn't think the Frozen Wilds was pretty? I mean, but it was pretty because they also added stuff to it, though. I'm talking about, like, this, like, standard stuff. Well, ice cubes and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, well, yeah, Horizon was something different because they had other stuff, and they had, like, this gorgeous aurora borealis constantly and a volcano in the back. It had other stuff. This was just, oh, ice. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, more ice. But, um, There weren't weather patterns. No, no, now that I think about it, there were static, static maps. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was never any rain or a snowstorm or anything like that. So that was another thing we did. I, I didn't even think about that till just now that there wasn't a there wasn't a weather pattern. There's no weather on that planet at all, and there was no day or nighttime cycle. Was there? Hmm. So I'm, I'm okay. With, I'm okay with not having dynamic uh, daytime nighttime cycles because mm-hmm. nighttime always lasts five times longer than daytime for some dang reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of. Uh, Enemy types for copy paste, different bit different biome well, yeah, type thing. You're, you know? Yeah, you're the five versions. of like the first little thing you fight is the little what are they called? The little uh, cocoa cuckoo bird, cocoa bird. Those things are funny because you uh you have a a dedicated slapping button, and if you hold it, it's a dedicated kick button. Yeah, so it's a uh, if you just hit X on the Xbox controller, you just like your hand just flies out, you're just slapping things. There's an achievement that I don't think I got for slapping every alien in the game. Because some of it involves going back and like slapping some of the bosses, but once you beat a boss, yeah, you know. once the bosses are done, they're done. So I'm, I might have missed some bosses. I didn't get the uh, thing got pretty high in the achievement because I kind of made a habit early on. I think, I think I forgot at certain points. I was like, oh, I need to slap this or some. There's some more elusive, uh, elusive alien types. I feel like. I don't know. We might got the achievement for scanning everything, but we, we, we did get the achievement for scanning everything, but we didn't get the achievement for slapping everything. So slapping is pretty funny, and, and uh, if you slap a little bird, they explode and just cover you in goop, which was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's those things you mentioned. Those little things that are screaming. These little these little 
aliens that are screaming. They're scre- I think they're called screamers. I don't know what they were called. Like screechers or something like that. They're, they're running around. Lizards. They're, they're just like literally screaming on top of their lungs. Can you hit or shoot or slap them? And they split into two. Because you, you had to scan like all four versions of it. Because you hit it once and it goes into two. You hit it again and it turns into two and then mm-hmm. it turns into yeah. four. Those things are weird. But you always know they're around because you hear the screeching of them. It's pretty Because it just sees you. Everything and had its unique little sounds it made. All this stuff looked pretty unique. But you did find as you went, moved across the planet, you were seeing the same alien again just under a different different color. Different moniker. It was like, oh, this one's now brown, but it's got spines instead of no spines or something that's, you know. Yeah, but of, that's kind of standard in any game, uh, yeah. asset reusal and yeah, reskinning. It's just a lot of palette swaps, but that's nothing there's com- still enough unique things. It's cool to see the new aliens and stuff like that. And the uh, the big the big bosses are always pretty cool. Yeah. Like, Sometimes cool looking, but then the the puzzle solving of how to beat the boss is actually pretty cool. Usually a tool you just got, but mm, kind of Zelda like. Yeah, but I I didn't hate any part of the game. There's the parts that were annoying. Like sometimes it was like your so you you have your you scan and your scan tells you there's a, a, a thing you need like right in front of you, or like or it's like showing the icons like inside of a mountain, and you're like. How in the world do I get there? He's in one of the, uh, there's a collectible, and you're looking at it, and you're like, it's a mountain. And it has a distance from you. It's like it's like it's three meters away inside this mountain. And you're looking around, and you're like, what? Yeah. A couple of times you had to look up a video. Or for I a did it a few things. times. I had to look up a video. It's like, how do I get get this? Yeah. And it was like, go down to the bottom of the ravine, squat down, and walk under this hole. I never would have figured that out. That's Ooh. It's pretty, pretty um, dense is the word, but stuff like there's a lot of the way the exploration works. You gotta gotta look at because you have so much verticality and kind of getting down and up and around. There's like a lot of they hide things in little caves and squat places, and you gotta really, really get around. And some of it's maybe a little too. It, it's strange how you go from things to some hiding something that's just in some tall grass, to hiding in some elaborate cave that you would have oh, never yeah. found in your own time. Mm-mm. You do have a gun, like a, like a pistol. Um, you can upgrade it, do more damage and stuff like that. You can charge it. It has a pretty cool upgrade when you charge it. It shoots a bouncing bullet, which is pretty devastating and cool. But, I mean, most of the game, the basic, just shooting the regular. Pop, pop. Yeah. yeah, just shooting the regular guns, how you deal with any normal enemy. And then even the bosses, the regular gun works fine. The charge shots, just for fun, I feel like, or... And you can, some achievements and stuff tied to like killing so many enemies in one charge shot or something. Yeah, and you can tell uh, very. This has been the only game that pops up in my head off the bat. It happens in all sorts of games, but the dead space effect, where like, oh, the weakness must be that giant orange glowing neon pulse. Everything's yeah, pus filled. Got a big old orange pus jewel. Yeah, it's just video games. Yeah, like, oh, pop pop pop. Yeah, I did it. But yeah, so. Uh, the, across the three, there's no sense in going to all, all three of the main main maps. It's just more exploring and stuff like that, more running around. I will say the third map is um, a bunch of broken, like floating islands, and getting across the islands is kind of interesting and a little, a little tedious sometimes. But you do have these teleporters you mentioned earlier. I think these little hub te- alien teleporters you just 
activate apparently yeah, once you un once you get it unlocked. They're scattered, but that last map does look pretty cool. It's a bunch of floating islands connected by these tendrils, which you use to your grapple hook on the grapple, you grapple rails. The grapple rails, and you grapple rail across to the other side of the island. That place was more difficult to get around and explore, and they were really really keen on hiding stuff there. Usually, but, uh, like on the underside of the island, which yeah. means like, oh, which is like jump, jump, off, off. jump off the side of the island and fall until you see a cave, and then jump pack, and then jetpack, you know, or your, a grapple rail underneath. It was yeah, a lot so of a lot of a lot of stuff hidden that way, which was kind of it was cool, but repetitive. Difficult. It like, it's sometimes. the same hiding spot over fifteen different islands of. Yeah. Went super creative in the hiding. Um, like, I don't want to wrap it up without mentioning that we we did play the there is a DLC. Yeah, I wanted to get to that because everything I'm saying is good. And uh, there's even still some good stuff about the DLC. Mm -hmm. But the DLC is like what? It's less than $10. It's like $8 probably, I think it was. Well, well we did. So we played. We, we mentioned that at the front. We did oh, yeah. play Sat Journey Savage Planet on, on Game Pass. It's, rec it's now left Game Pass, I think. Who knows if it'll come back. I wonder who those purchases go to. A lot of people purchase... Oh, we bought that DLC. Where'd that money? Where'd that money go? I'm assuming it went to Google or somebody. That's it definitely didn't go I didn't to think the. About that, but anyway, because people people buy a lot of games from Game Pass because you get a, you get a Game Pass discount. And you own the same when, thing when, for when, DLC when, it, when it's leaving. So we get we had we get a little ten percent DLC discounts. I think we paid eight ninety nine eight ninety nine for the DLC. We had bought it because we we beat the main game and enjoyed it. Like hell, we'll try a DLC. And the DLC had additional achievements. We didn't one K discount. No, we didn't. There's a, is there a no-death achievement or something? There was a, a no-death achievement in the DLC, and there's doing a making, like, runs without falling. And you do have, um, dude had words. There were shared achievements amongst this thing, for the most part. There were some story achievements I couldn't get, like collecting yeah, all the blueprints. Something that just didn't pop for you. It was random. It was kind of, kind of a mess. Because you got the blueprints. I didn't, but... Yeah. You got to unlock the stuff. I got the achievement for unlocking the stuff, but not collecting the blueprint. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was kind of a mess. But uh, I mean, I, we, we knew we weren't getting the one K anyway. And then, but, but there was additional achievements in the in the DLC. So we we probably wouldn't have bought the DLC if it didn't have achievements. No, <laughs> we're petty that way. It really. I I'll, I will tell you now. If you're not, if you're not going after, oh, hold on. Oh, it's still recording. I'll just keep going. It's still recording. You never yeah. paused it. I paused it, but uh, I shouldn't have paused it. Actually, no, it actually worked out. It, 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 it didn't break it like I thought it was going to. Okay, go keep going. Bird. Now the DLC. Okay, the DLC. If, if you're if you're not going for the one K, I advise don't buy the DLC. It it honestly wasn't worth it. It didn't add in. It it tried to add in a because you have an AI in your in your suit, and you interact with another AI. Because you you actually go to another it's, planet. It's, it's, it's another AI from another company. Yeah, and you go to another planet for some more exploration. And it tries to be funny and self aware, and it's it adds a little comedy. Yeah. But the overall experience it didn't add enough to make it worth playing, in my opinion. I think by I I didn't like the DLC like there's visually and it was, it was fine stuff like that it was cool to see at another place. Because uh, yeah, it was, was like a beachfront tropical area. There was this real dumb stuff where you could, uh, uh, they made a mistake. Like you can go into the water, but you can't, 
your jet nothing your jetpack or stuff don't work in the water and they hid stuff in this little ocean front because it's like an ocean like a like a like i said beachfront beachfront thing and you can go into the water and they hid some collectibles and stuff in the water but you have to walk underwater like you can't you can't use your jetpack you can't they didn't give you any water upgrades yeah i did find that with stupid strange so you didn't get it it could have been like, oh, your jetpack now works underwater. It would have been a super easy thing to get. Cool, maybe don't give it to me from the... Or I would have loved if you gave it to me from the very beginning of the thing, but it could have been a reward for doing like completing like the first mission or beating the first boss on the DLC. Exactly. But they didn't do that. So underwater exploration, which would have been a lot cooler than what they gave me. This is just walking walking under, under the water near some rocks on the, on the beach. But it could have been cooler because there could have been some underwater creatures or stuff to scan. Like It yeah. could have made it cooler. But instead, you get this stupid, and I mean absolutely stupid, pink jumping mechanic. And what it does is it gives you infinite rocket boost temporarily. And so you jump inside this pink infinite goop. temporarily. Yeah. Because you just hold the button down. You can go until, until the pink thing times out, these pink gas bubbles. That, that times out in like two seconds. Yeah. Like... Cool, I've had a jetpack, and i got a graphical hook. I'm cool with celestial travel within the skies. If you wanted to give me some aquatic travel, that would have been much more preferred and different, because you yeah. didn't have that. In the oh, other I hated one. this jetpack upgrade. It made it a nightmare. Apps, it controlled horribly. It made it a... I, I, I gave up immediately on any any of the goals that were tied to using that jetpack, because it was impossible to use. I mean... By the end of the DLC, I managed to get it because it's not a, um, it's like a like a what's that damn thing, like a Flappy Bird thing. You have to like flutter the button, yeah, just the, the right amount of time, and it was. You have barely you have barely a second or two between these rings. Like they they didn't make it like where it was interesting or fun. Like it should have you should have touched this. It was like this material, this stuff, spooky stuff. You had to touch it. Like, it's like this. It yeah. like overpowered your jetpack. But for a few seconds, like it was, it was so badly designed. Honestly, yeah. Like it should have been like a cool. It, it's something that should have been cool that they made real bad. Yeah. And even then, I still think it should have gave you a, like a. It should have been gave you like a part of a map, part of a map where you're like, touch the stuff and you've got free flight for thirty seconds or something like that. You can free fly for thirty seconds all you want, but you just got to fly to this this further away, fly further than you've ever flown before, but mm. not infinite. Fly to another platform over here. And land on the like, like the if there's more floaty islands or just a different part of, or put some lava down there. Make it a reason that you can't land below there and fly to platforms and find more of the pink stuff to touch and make it more interesting. But you had to fly. If you not like, you had to fly from pink little pink smoky thing to pink smoky thing within seconds. Yeah. And like, and it, it didn't. It doesn't work in first person. You don't have enough, enough time to get to them. You don't have enough. Uh... Depth, because if, if you, you try to hold the fly thing, from if you try to flat out hold the fly thing from one pink thing to the next next pink thing, you're never gonna make it. You talk about that fluttering thing. You have to flutter it to barely flutter it to barely make it to the next one. I don't think I ever got. I don't think I ever, I ever hit three in a row. I, I I ended up being the one that did it, did all the stuff that was required because there was one that was absolutely required for you to get a component to finish an upgrade to go on in the story. I I think I ended up being the one because otherwise you were. I wouldn't do you that. Were, I think you were done playing because that mechanic was so dumb. And we'd already technically <clears throat> we'd already technically beat the game. The DLC wasn't required. Yeah. I'll tell you now. We spent money on it. I'll tell you now. Save $10. Don't buy the DLC. Yeah. 
especially now because you don't you don't you don't know where, where that money's going. Yeah, you don't know what company you're supporting anymore. Uh, but the DLC was bad. You did it did build up to uh, the AI was uh, the other AI. Your AI knew the other AI. Whatever. There was a bunch of comedy and jokes. And like, oh, he's just a was, flirt. Ugh. But it built up to a, a big old. Really, just kind of built up to fighting him inside of a machine in the end. And on top of all, we we managed to beat the DLC, but that final boss. Guess what it uses as the core mechanic for the final boss? The smoky thing? Yes. Yeah. The pink smoky stuff. It was tough. It was incredibly hard. I think I think we won by the skin of our teeth. Barely. It, I think, no, actually, I think we won because it was uh, nearly impossible for both of us to move at the same time. I think I stood still. I think I, I think I think I just gave up. I was like, I can't move and do this at the same time. Because you had to like try to fly and shoot at the same time. I was like, I'm not, I can't. I'm not doing this. This is such a it's such a mess, a disaster of controls and uh, difficulty of the of particular of the particular fight. And I think I just stopped stopped moving because it was getting complicated for us to. Do we, do we bump into? I can't remember if we bump into each other or not. Because yeah, it's you, complicated running into each other, even if we didn't. I don't know if we you, touched you, or just it you just wouldn't phase. It. You would you would hit. You would block one another's path, like, especially if we we're trying to do the pink stupid pink thing in midair, and we we didn't. You had to communicate too, but if you weren't communicating properly, and we were both going for the same pink thing, we would hit it, bump into each other, and it would fall. Fall to the light, and he was like, he's like raising lava from the ground. Mm-hmm. So you had, to like, you had to like stay off the ground. It was a huge mess. We managed to beat it, but I'm in all honesty, I think I'm the one that beat it because I ended yeah. up understanding the mechanic a little better and mm-hmm. was able to put it. But but it, was, sure. it got to the point like me and Drew were like talking. If we lose this and it doesn't save in the boss fight. Oh, a multi-phase boss fight, yeah. Then we're done. Yeah, it's saved. It saved during the second. And third phase. I say unfortunately, but luckily because it did save in like the second half or whatever. I was like, well, I guess all we have to do is just try this one part over and over again. But if it didn't save, I we were done because yeah. it was not worth oh, them. Yeah. yeah, so definitely don't buy one. One, the DLC is not good. And two, you don't know who you're supporting with that money anymore. So let's maybe maybe just don't buy. Unless you go- unless you Google the company and you and you see that they in more recent times if you see that they've somehow managed to come back or something like that who who knows they could companies can come back or but I'll just be careful who you're spending your because we we bought it I, we bought we we bought it we don't know who who that money went yeah. to we bought it before I did any um research research about the company being shut down yeah. um overall it's a pretty good game I don't know if it's the greatest uh, co op game because you the it, the co-op works in the, in the way where you could split up and do different things, which it works real well in exploring. But you're never, you don't ever really need each other to do anything. Mm-mm. Which I, was, I like doing because we, we we co-op like that is also co- types of co-op that I really enjoy because we would do the same thing in Saints Row. Mm-hmm. Doing collectibles and stuff, just split up, do your own thing, do your missions, or like, hey, I'm over here, I'm gonna well, try to get Saints Row. Saints Row would pull you into missions, but collectible wise, it's a very like, a game with a lot of collecting. If you get it, two people can split up and the collectibles are shared, you get the left half of the screen, I get the right half of the map, and yeah. map, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it works out. Uh, but if you're looking for like a hardcore, like you got to work together, co-op experience, this isn't, this isn't the game for you. This is fun to kind of poke around the planet for a couple. What, what, how, how many hours do you think it was? Uh, I have it. Wrote, I wrote for the main game. I have twenty ish. So that means it was probably twenty and some change. Yeah. And the DLC took us about four. Four hours. Okay, so I so. say probably total about twenty five hours for DLC and game. But don't play the DLC. <laughs> yeah. I can't I, stress I, that enough. I don't. I don't know if you can buy a. 
you might you might you might just have to well they're probably a, a, the game by itself there, I don't know if there's like a digital deluxe that comes or complete yeah I don't know I don't, I don't know if there's a version we had it on Game Pass so I, I never looked at it to purchase true um, the game's worth I mean who knows where, again who knows where your money's going but, but the game's worth every bit of twenty twenty five dollars probably I think twenty bucks for the whole experience I would yeah I won't put it past even that. DLCs include if it comes with it whatever but like I, I think twenty bucks is a good price point. Yeah, definitely not 60 and definitely not 40. Yeah. Okay. That's all you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to briefly talk about the game's uh, director, the creator of everything. Oh, okay. That's why you did that in the beginning. Well, because I, I, it's, it's, it's at the bottom of the page. I didn't see it <laughs> on, on my notes. Um, the director is a gentleman named uh, Alex Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. And he. this is because this game's kind of lighthearted and fun and silly and wackadoo and he is the he was the director for uh, Assassin's uh, Assassin's Creed 3 Far Cry 4 and Army of 2 the 40th day like those are some fairly like i don't say yeah, hardcore heavy, but heavy, like heavy, heavy action type things he was that was he directed those those are I hated Assassin's Creed 3 never played Far Cry I, I, I skipped from Far Cry 3 to no I skipped from Far Cry 2 to Far Cry 5 to play with you. Never played 4. Mm. And Army of 2, we never played the 40th day. I don't think so. I never played any, any of his games. But he was also the lead designer. It seems weird. The lead designer for Sims 2 and Spore. That game that didn't last very long. About yeah, Spore didn't make it, yeah. Yeah. But I can see a coalition between Spore and this art style with the vibrant, vibrant colors. I can yeah. see that. See that. Uh, he he even classifies his own game as an earnest comedy. It's just kind of a silly comedy. Yeah. Now, I do want to back up one more thing. Is the game, they were shut down before they could put out any patches for the game. Now, you, I didn't encounter too, any bugs, really. No. Too yeah, many. The game weren't, the game weren't clean. But ac- according to like people online and stuff like that, the game had... Uh, several bugs, uh, screen hangs, loading screen hangs, uh, crashes and stuff like that. I none of that. I didn't either, but it, we may have played it because it says that Google put out one patch and said, we're done with this game. They literally, they put out one patch and said, don't ask us for anything else. Because <laughs> I, I guess they were just so mad that Stadia failed. Or I, something. They, 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 their is still around. I just don't think they they've pulled out a lot of their support for it. Yeah, games are still coming out. Games are still coming out on Stadia. Yeah, they pulled out first party support or something like that is, which yeah. is basically abandoning it. So there's a bunch of third party things still going to Stadia. Yeah, but I, I don't have anything else to add to it. All right. Well, with that said, the, the last thing I want to do is uh, run through a, a band pretty quick. I don't know a lot of the history of the band or anything like that. I've listened to them for a long time. The only thing I know is they're from, uh, what, Perth, Australia? Yeah, they're, like they're, they'll be the first. There's quite a few Australian rock bands out there that I've stumbled across over the years. They put a lot of great music out of Australia. Um, this band is called Carnival. That's with a K. Well, I can spell it. It's, it's spelled weird. It's K-A-R-N-I-V-O-O-L, Carnival. Uh, a silly name, but for a really uh, awesome band. Uh, they have three albums out right now. It's been quite a while since their last album, but 
they recently did one of those uh, little live streamings of the entirety of their, it was like the 10-year, 15-year, 10-year anniversary of their second album. So they did a whole stream for that. So the band's still doing stuff, of course. And people were pretty excited because they sound like they're about to put out their first. It'd be their first album since 2013, probably if they put out if they put out new music uh, coming up recently. The singer, which I don't have his I don't have his name written down, he's actually part of another kind of more popular band. So I think he spends the, 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 a band that has a lot more albums than Carnival. His name is uh, Ian Kenny. Ian Kenny. So he's and I don't know if it's besides him. I don't know if the other band the other band's called the Birds of Tokyo. I don't I don't know. I didn't do enough research on this. But I don't know if they share any other members besides just him. Or if it's Carnival does their own thing and then uh, Birds of Tokyo does their own thing. Uh, two very different bands and I kind of appreciate uh, Ian doing something like this because some bands would take these other ideas and try to force it into their other band. He doesn't do that. He has an entirely separate band. Carnival is more of a, uh, it's definitely a lot heavier. And then like their second album was more elaborate and longer songs and just crazy. Like a, a real, a real progressive rock metal band. Carnival is, uh, Birds of Tokyo leans more towards like radio kind of poppy rock. Yeah. Uh, so which makes obviously in the world we live in makes Birds of Tokyo a lot. Birds of Tokyo is is an award winning rock band. They've won a bunch of awards. They've they're way vastly more popular than Carnival is. Uh, I don't know how I don't I don't know their album count, but I think I think they have almost twice as many albums as Carnival oh, does. Oh, Birds, of, Bird, uh, Birds of Tokyo. Yeah, so they have more albums. I haven't given Birds of Tokyo a full fair chance, but that's uh, I just I I, I I lean more towards the obviously the Carnival sound. So they have double double the amount of albums. That's what I thought. They're just more popular. Um, do you know anything, anything about Carnival? You listen to, I, I gave him, uh, I found him originally. I feel like I found him way back in my Pandora days, probably. When it would play randomly throughout the thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably how I found a bunch of these. It started pairing, my little Pandora channel started pairing me a bunch of Australian other bands. We have a few other ones I'll I'll come across eventually. I might play Dead Litter Circus or uh, 12 Foot Ninja. Uh, Butterfly, right. the Butterfly Effect came back, I think. Either yeah. them or... Uh, and I think it's just going to sound really weird because I like them and don't like them at the same time. Uh, Sick Puppies, I think they're Australian too. They're Australian. They? Or they, they originally were Australian, but they've yeah, since moved to America. They're a funny band. This is a tangent, but the, the Sick Puppies is a funny band where they uh, their first album made fun of made fun of selling out, and that band completely sold out later. That's also why you can't get that album in America. Yeah, I found it digitally somewhere, but their whole first album was well, much... Actually, it's on Spotify, so I think you can't like, get it it's now. Like make, it's literally making fun of what they what they eventually became. It's so bad. I don't think they're... I don't know they're even around anymore. They might, might have been too embarrassed of themselves. Uh... But yeah, so there's a lot of cool Australian music. You don't now. I say Australian that 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 only means it's like a genre or anything like that. They don't sing. It's funny when you have bands that have, clearly come from places that have accents. There's a lot of British rock bands too, yeah. or Japanese rock well, bands. There's just other stuff, but people tend to not sing. When you sing, you don't sing see, your accent. Because look at uh, Sully Erna from Godsmack. He's from New Zealand. Yeah. And he, you can't when he sings, you can't tell when he speaks when he's when, when he's talks, talking. You're like, whoa, that is. That's a kiwi right there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can't ever. T- people don't sing. So I, I just say Australia because there's just a bunch of bands. Like Carnival has toured with some of these other bands. Like I think I think Butterfly Effect and I, th- I think uh, 
Dead Letter Circus and stuff like that. These bands that you know when you 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 find your you find your common man when you're in your own country and stuff like that. So a lot of these other bands have uh, toured together. I've never got to see uh, Carnival live. I would love to. I missed a chance. I think at one point I forget they played somewhere, and I missed it. Um, weirdly enough, one time Blake, I think I told you about it. Birds of Tokyo mm-hmm. played at a bar in Nashville. Not really. Yeah, that's a weird, an award-winning band. So it's it's it's, a, it's the juxtaposition of uh, a band's popularity elsewhere in the world. They play in Australia and over in Europe and Europe and stuff like that. Birds of Tokyo plays stadiums. Yeah. And when they came to America and they actually Birds of Tokyo came to Nashville, they played a bar downtown. Well, yeah, I remember that happening on um, what was it? So they'll probably never come back here because we saw Dead Letter Circus and Fred Midland together. Mm-hmm. And they were talked about his the uh, Ferdinand Midland because I remember the front man for Dead Letter Circus was like, yeah, we just took Ferdinand Midland with us in Australia, and we we uh, we toured stadiums and this, and we want to thank them for bringing us to, over to America and showing us your bars. Yeah, because uh, over America, here, America just has no respect for the genre. Well, over there, Dead Letter toured, and Dead Letter is much bigger in Australia. Dead Letter over yeah. here, Dead Letter's nobody. Ferdinand Midland was much. Bigger than they were over here, but Farrah Midland was still only a bar band, which is really sad. Yeah, or just small venues. Yeah, yeah. So the way we have seen Dead Letter twice, twice, twice. We've seen Dead Letter. So luckily, Dead Letters came to America. Uh, never seen these other bands that I mentioned. Um, but uh, we we saw Twelve Foot Ninja. They played at oh, um, Warehouse. We did. So we did. We did see Twelve. We were supposed to see them at that uh, Rock on the Cannery Road, but they ended up canceling because their slot was two a.m. and they said, "No, nah, we're not doing that." Yeah. So lost a little, lost a little respect for that band. Uh, I've lost a lot of respect for that band because they also showed up to uh, the night we did see them. They showed up super late and they claimed that they were just they were just running around town. Yeah, I was like, oh, you guys. You know, you know, honestly, this is I, not, I this is not the time show. for it. Not the time for it. But I, I did like ever since that show we saw them live. The show wasn't even that good. Uh-huh. And when he like admitted that they were just running around town or something like that, I was like, I lost an immense amount of respect for that band. Yeah, I haven't listened to them much since then. They make good. They got music, great music. I'll probably play some Twelve Foot Ninja at some point, but I've lost it. Like, like I just, it's just like, oh, when you see, it's like a personal thing. Yeah, you're just like, oh, you guys kind of suck, man. You you slighted us, and then you made twice. fun of us. Yeah, like twice. I know we've had a few bands. Yeah. Have, we, have you done? Thank you, Sire. No, we haven't. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we need to wrap this yeah. up anyway. This is about. I'm not, we Sorry, get, we, need, we get tangenty when it comes to different bands, but Carnival. Uh, Carnival. Of all the bands that, of this Australian bands that I mentioned, I probably shouldn't have started with Carnival because Carnival's, Carnival is my favorite. I mm. picked my favorite. I should have. I should have maybe did some Dead Letter first, and then yeah. did some Twelve Foot Ninja, and then led up to Carnival. But I listened to a bunch of Carnival recently, and I and because uh, Bangers Cross, they're the bands together right now. They did a live show, and they're they got they got a couple of tour dates in Australia. I'm hoping Fingers Cross, we got new music on the way. Cause didn't they go through like a weird thing where like all of Carnival stuff went off Spotify for like a six months or well, a year? Well, probably because they didn't do any music for a long time, and then it came back. Yeah, recently. they got all their stuff. They got they got all their all their music back on Spotify. They got the three albums now on Spotify. Um, I'm gonna play a song uh, from the first album. Uh, the first album is probably still my favorite, though I've been listening to all three the past couple of weeks, and man, it's just all really good. They did a weird. Uh, their second album, blanking on the name, so bad right now. I, the first one's what? Them- Themata? First album's Themata. 
second album, Sound Awake. Second album, Sound Awake, and Sound Awake was different because they did a more like more more progressive, more longer, more elaborate songs. Yeah. They even said to a point that they probably wouldn't do that again because the the amount of, the amount of work it took to, to do make to make Sound Awake because of the songs were longer and more elaborate. Because the album after that, uh, Symmetry. Uh, the songs were more 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 tied back down. Even though there's still like a seven minute song on Symmetry, so I don't. But, know but there's different between one uh, on an album that is opposed to every song being seven minutes long. I guess. Well, there's a, there's a song. There's one song on uh, Sound of Wake that's like ten minutes long, and one that's like fifteen minutes long. I think. Yeah, I can see not wanting to do that again. Do, do it over and over again. Yeah. I, I wish we had watched the the live stream of it though. They had it a, a, a few weeks ago. I, I was like, man, I really should have watched the ten year anniversary of Sound of Wake. That we never seen it live before, so I really yeah. should have watched it. But uh, Thamata is more is more of a I don't say grounded. Thamata is just this is good rock and good great stuff on it. I, I love the first album. I like all three, but the first is kind of where I is where my home is. I guess I'm gonna play. Uh, I've debated a bunch of songs, but I always kind of fall back to my favorite song. It's probably not even the best representation of, of the band, but I, I think I'm, I'm gonna play the song called Lifelike. Yeah, it is a really good song. Yeah, I love Life Like. I feel like there's maybe better carnival songs on Thamata. Even the song, even the song Thamata, probably yeah. the title track is maybe a better a better carnival song. But Life Like always just really gets me going. I listened to it the other day when I was going through the list of the band trying to figure out what song I'm going to play. I listened to Life Like like five times in a row, and I was like, man, I guess I got. I guess play. I got to play this song. I, I got to play this one. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all I got, I think, for the band. Uh, sorry we rambled back and forth about other bands, but some bands are connected, and you kind of get yeah. excited when you talk about these kind of things. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up here? Hmm. Don't just say your your final thing, but do you have any, yeah. any other I mean, thoughts? I, no, I was, I was thinking uh, <laughs> of Carnival. Is it Carnival or Carnival? I think it's Carnival. It's got to be Vool. It's V-O-O-L. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Carnival, but that's like a, an HBO show because I'm being pretentious. Uh, I don't think I have anything to add to it. All right. Well, uh, as we wrap up the end here, uh, we'll thank everybody for listening, of course, and uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, check the show notes. Click on our little social media things. Join, come talk to us on there. Come watch us stream. We're gonna try to get some more streams and stuff like that going. We 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 did a couple. We stream our co-op stuff that we play by ourselves. We streamed a bit with Garrett, and uh. As I said, go ahead and say it a little bit now. I won't say who, but we are going to try to be. Uh, we're trying to line up some scheduling. We're planning on uh, streaming a game with our ne- our upcoming episode fifty guest. Yeah, we're planning on streaming some games with him. Hopefully, we just have you know people in adult lives and scheduling. But uh, hopefully, we can line up a couple of play sessions to play stream some games with our upcoming episode fifty guests. And that'll be uh, episode fifty guest. And that'll be pretty exciting and fun to do. And if you want to be a part of that, it'd be kind of cool to get a sneak peek of who's coming on the podcast in a couple of uh, a couple of episodes. Uh, I'm not going to do the Patreon Patreon spiel. You know what Patreon is. So if you want to support us, we do have two Patreons. I guess other podcasts mention their Patreons. I've, I've heard a couple now, so it's not like a weird thing. Or but our two page we we have two right now. Yeah, which is more than zero. Hooray! Yeah. Uh, one is our. Uh, our cousin Brian, I want to thank you, Brian, for listening and supporting the podcast. We infinitely appreciate that. It's Definitely. amazing. And our second Patreon is actually an old guest. Uh, Garrett decided to throw some money our way. And uh, we, we definitely, you know, Garrett, we appreciate uh, 
all your support. He's yeah. he's really enthusiastic about the podcast and supporting his friends, and not just us. Garrett supports a lot of other uh, other streaming yeah, and stuff either. like that. He's What's really in, he's really in this, he's just a great guy who's really into supporting people. What's the thing where you link a stream or you? Oh, he he does. Uh, he he hosts our oh, streams yeah. uh, sometimes through his own page because he has more. He has more, a few more, more followers, more followers. Oh, quite a few more followers than we do. Yeah, so yeah, he's a great guy. We really appreciate that, Garrett. We know you're listening. So, uh, but if anybody else, you know, if you want to support the podcast, jump in on this and, uh, or, you know, or just tell a friend. You, you ain't gonna give us money if you like. I heard other podcasts talking about you know if you just if you just share it, share the podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, anything like that. Everything's great here. We're gonna keep doing the podcast regardless of yeah popularity and nonsense this is more for us to do for fun anyway it's a hobby it's all, yeah. we enjoy it we have I mean, people are listening so we keep doing it um i think that's it uh thanks again you, you would have heard it in the beginning uh thanks again if you, if you have to listen to the podcast uh skylar if you happen to pop in and listen to hear your stuff it's it's in here somewhere it's in the beginning and stuff like that thanks again for giving us permission to uh play some of your music it is really cool music I think that's about all I have. And uh, after Blake says his final little bit here, you will hear uh, Lifelike by Carnival. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.